and welcome back to the Why Hockey Periodical Podcast. I know I made a declaration on behalf of Why Hockey. I really shouldn't do that without consulting you first. Uh, but is it okay that we stay in the Arizona Coyotes now? No, I mean, I think we have to all be worried about Taylor Hall's mental health at this point. Why is that? Edmonton, New Jersey, Arizona. He is... I've seen his official picture for Arizona. He's on life support right now. I think we need to send him teddy bears, chocolate, uh, you know, like funny movies. I I think he's hurting. He needs to go to a good team in a good location. I mean, at least he doesn't have to pay taxes for the rest of the season. I mean, it's, 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 it's nice in Arizona in the winter, I guess. Yeah, but, I mean... Does it look Yay, like another the, uh, year of prob- probably, you know, faltering in the playoffs if he even gets there. I, I mean, think he'll get there. Uh, do, does he look like the sad Affleck meme? I guess. I mean, I'm, I don't know about the sad Affleck meme. I mean, you haven't, you haven't <laughs> seen the sad Affleck meme, Hello Darkness, my old friend? Uh, I know the sad... Uh, you know the song, obviously, but... Yeah, but I, mean, I think... Uh, it's, what are you talking? He, he's done he when he did interviews for I think it was Batman v Superman or something like that or one of the horrible DC movies. He's doing an interview with uh, the guy who played Superman, Henry Cavill, and you could see him just slumping down in his chair. He looks like life has totally defeated him, and it's just like the what the hell am I doing here? If you look on Twitter, if you look Affleck, you're gonna find it really really quickly. If you're listening to this, you probably know the sad Affleck meme. It's okay. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I'm not cool. Sorry. No, it's not even that you're not cool. I'm not cool either. Star Wars comes out in two days when we're recording this, and I do not care in the slightest. Well, Star Wars isn't cool anymore, so... This is also and correct. possibly was never cool. Well, I don't know if I would say so. that. I mean, well, uh, it was cool, and then Jar Jar killed it. Uh, I don't... I mean, I think it... In some cultures, but it, the by the stereotypical definition of the word cool i don't think it ever definitely you know mickey mouse popped in and then what can you do we now have shows about you know well the mandalorian's apparently good but i can't comment because i don't watch any of that stuff um but anyway uh taylor hall love how we got from taylor hall to star wars uh maybe we're really greg wachinski we're just i'm just emulating him because he went to maryland now uh the taylor hall trade you and i had some interesting discussions on that we'll get to florida and the flyers later but we want to start with this um as the Panthers were involved in the Taylor Hall sweepstakes, which was mildly No, they weren't. They 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 call, they picked up the phone and called so that people would write that they picked up the phone and called, which is the Dale Talon, Vinny Viola special. Well, it's what all NHL teams should do when a player like Taylor Hall is on the market, let's be fair. I mean, they have no business getting Taylor Hall. That's not what they should be doing. They have two other UFA wingers that they should worry about dealing with first. The goals aren't the issue. I, They're I wasting time trading Kevin 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 Waugh for fucking nothing and and having talk about uh, Taylor Hall instead of, you know, picking up the phone about, like, Sammy Votnin or, like, any other defender who maybe could play on the left side and do something different just because at this point, we need different. I'm tired of seeing the same old slop on the ice in the defensive zone. Taylor Hall, for a second, we'll get to the panel. Taylor Hall went to a team that won't use him properly, won't be able to resign him, and if he resigns, then he must have like a, a Stockholm syndrome or like martyr Seriously? complex or something like that because 
Um, I have a feeling he's just going to like sign in like Pittsburgh or something or like Boston. He's just going to like call a shot and just make sure he's in the playoffs at least every year because he's, he's got to be tired of this. Well, he's got to be tired that... of playing for inept teams where he has to, if they get to the playoffs, it's because he had to carry him the whole way. Well, uh, without him, Arizona or they're in a weak division or, you know, there's always an asterisk if he gets into the playoffs with the team and then they get smoked. It's not like Arizona's been bad this year. It's not like they've been good this year. Well, there are maybe three good teams in the NHL this year. Yeah. I mean, I think there's more than that, but I think the problem is that there's no middle teams this year. That the middle teams are underachieving. I'd say that that's that's like everybody's in the middle unless you're Detroit and New Jersey and L.A., basically. Well, if that's the middle, then the NHL has a product issue in a time when they have the most skill they have a they have an issue with putting out good product then well in any regard uh i I was a little surprised that the coyotes what they had to give up i mean i know it was for a rental and they gave up perhaps two first round picks but that's only if they sign them and they win a playoff series and i know you're very doubtful of either of those things happening absolutely uh i'm not I actually think that they could win a playoff series with them because if they're in the Pacific Division, they might have to play, you know, the Flames or what have you. And uh, that's been a lot of fun this year as we talk about oh, the teams we thought were good or mediocre and the teams we thought would be bad. Well, they're really bad. But other than that, I mean, everybody's been the same slop. Like right now, as you said, our beloved Florida Panthers are two points out of second in the Atlantic, but they're also three points ahead of Columbus, who's actually not very good. Who they just beat five one, so that's mediocre. But I think the I think the Coyotes are going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to make it. I but do. to me, Taylor Hall didn't want to just make the playoffs this year. Well, it depends Wanted on to whether do he something. like a Florida Panthers fan or not. I would like, hope not. The Coyote, like the Coyotes, making the playoffs is great for who? The owners of the Coyotes because they can maybe not lose as much money or they have more cash on hand to do something next year if they you know whatever the cause may be but the fans benefit from it because they get to talk about it but the players don't like the difference between getting one playoff round and missing the playoffs it you know like it's it's nothing it's not that great for a franchise like the Coyotes, I disagree with that. But not for Taylor Hall. Taylor oh, Hall doesn't okay. care about that. Well, for him, I can kind of like. I don't yeah. know what his free agent uh, process is going to look like next year. I'm assuming he's going to consider Arizona, but no, I mean, he's not. There's I no way. He... And if he does, it's all about the money, because there's no way that he can seriously think that after all he's given up as a number one overall draft pick, as an MVP, after taking a you know having a pretty nice contract in Edmonton and then getting traded to New Jersey and having New Jersey fall out from under him after he did all that work to build him up. Uh, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. He's, he's going to be, he's just going to basically be a number one pick. That's just going to throw his career away when he has the talent, the skill, and he can execute at this level. And we've seen it like it, it would be so stupid. Arizona is not going to win anything. Boy, just not. Uh, so he's going well. I mean, I think we have to be honest about some of this stuff now. I mean, if we're gonna have to, we have to be honest about the Florida Panthers. Wow. And at this rate, they're not going to win anything either. Why would Terrell Hall come to Florida? 
Well, Large Hell Hell well, wanted. That's that's another. He knew why Bob wanted to because location meant something to him. I don't think location is going to mean anything to Hall. I think Hall wants to play meaningful hockey, and it's not meaningful hockey in Florida or Arizona, really. So you're telling me that Taylor Hall is going to sign with Dallas? No, I'm kidding. Um, he's going to sign with the Bruins then. He has a better chance of winning in Dallas than he does in Arizona or Florida. Well, that's probably true. They take winning more seriously. Well, I mean, did you did you see what happened with Jim Montgomery? Yeah, they take winning seriously. Uh, I mean, okay. I was gonna make a joke that would be very inappropriate that I'm not going to make here, but I think if you, if you, maybe could follow my line of thinking. Uh, we'll get to all of that in a second because a lot of coach firings, a lot of other things we want to get to. I again, I hope Arizona wins. That would be very good. I like it when teams like that win, and I think it helps the league if teams like that win. Obviously, you don't think they're going to. I, I don't. Have a I don't want to reward Arizona's decision making with wins. Okay. I don't. I think that franchise shouldn't exist. But that's a. Oh no, Tommy Krulikowski, Canadian message board person. I mean, it's no, it's not that. It's just they've been constantly bailed out over and over again more so than any other franchise and they constantly just instead of they hired a good gm that you thought oh he's going to build it up the right way and then he you know trades for kessel and a rental taylor hall and it's just like what you know they're just always putting the cart before the horse uh once they get any type of momentum and they kill it and it reminds me of a certain franchise from the east ah well well I disagree multiple with that. other franchises in other sports. I I disagree with that. Trust me. If, if for the Coyotes, I don't. Again, I I can't blame. It. They're better run than the Phoenix Suns are. I'll say that. And I bet. Yeah, but again, like they, that's always you know like it relative. Oh, that doesn't it's, matter. Relative, they're just I, they're they're just objectively bad. I mean, like lots there's, of teams in sports are objectively bad. I root for yeah. all of them. So. Yeah. So and and I think Taylor Hall at the at the level of play he's capable of at the point in his career where he is, he needs to have that type of stark, realistic, business like approach to it. Where can I win hockey games? Who gives me the best chance? And it's not as bad as like you know other leagues where there's only three teams that can win the cup, but there are still five to eight teams that have a realistic shot of winning the cup in the next three years that he can, that he would likely be able to sign if he wanted to make it work. Bruins, Bruins, Pittsburgh, Colorado. Colorado has a ton of cap space and they don't really have to sign anyone too too important. Well, not yet. I mean, they will, but not oh, the present. Moment. Yeah, but they also have ways to get out of that money, like with Kadri oh. uh, and Confer and. Uh, um, I mean, let's see whether they can win. With... Dunsboy, et cetera. They can get out. Well, we'll see whether they win what? with not without him, but I mean, there there are other teams that can win. How about your uh, your other beloved team? What Philadelphia? I mean, they they spend money a lot. They spend money a lot, and they'd at least be... I don't know if they can win. They might be able to win. They're one of the teams that at least is a second level where they're consistently in the playoffs, and Taylor Hall can know that he has... He'll always have a... Instead of have, always having a lottery ball's chance at number one overall, he'll always have a lottery ball's chance at the Stanley Cup if he gets hot at the right time, if the goalie stays 
you know, in his crease or whatever, you know. Uh, I don't know what other teams could do. The Rangers are going to have cap space. Good Lord, I'd love to see. The Devils fans would be so mad. Yeah, but I mean like that, yeah. The Rangers are a team that you can see winning the cup. They know what it takes to win. They have the money to do it. And they are capable of making hard decisions to win, which if we're talking about Arizona and, again, the team I keep hinting at, Florida, uh, they don't have what it takes to make the hard decisions to win because when it comes time to make those hard moves, they don't. So if you were Taylor Hall and you could control where you would have wanted to go in a trade, you would have gone to any number of those locations over... I would have gone to Boston. You would have gone to Boston. Because the Bruins would have actually because, pulled off that trade. Well, think because think of the path. You know, the winning a Stanley Cup is a marathon, is a it's a tournament of attrition, right? Mm-hmm. Boston is running away with the division. They're not gonna have any down the stretch worries other than staying in a groove, finding a rhythm. They don't have to win games, they don't have to, you know, they just have to, you know, not be collapse epically and stay in a rhythm and healthy then you get to the playoffs they'll play the weakest team points wise second in, at this point but yeah it, you know they'll play a wild card team uh well, right now and, that would be pittsburgh based on how things are going and you know that's but i i don't format i don't think that that's a team boston has to worry about i think in any situation boston will be fine in the in the wild card i also think pittsburgh ends up in the division spot um Ah, so who falls out then? Islanders or uh, Hurricanes? Hurricanes. Not not a big fan of the, the bunch of jerks. I mean, they're just not that good. I don't think they have the offense it to keep up in that division. I think Pittsburgh will pick it up. They have Sidney Crosby. They'll make it work. I think that you know what they're not that they've scored 113 goals. It's not like yeah, but that division is so tight. I mean, it's we're talking bounces that going. They either are they way, are right now you know? have one more row than Pittsburgh. So yeah, it is yeah. very tight. Yeah, so it's it's not like, you know, but again, Boston has this is going to have the second round matchup that you want with yeah with a team that because you're going to have two or three and two or three are going to be pretty equal teams slogging each other Basically, out in the first they're going to play toronto and they have them by the vice grip yeah they're they'll play toronto um or, or maybe I, they'll play a battered tampa and an off going on with the lightning i mean other than when they play florida but what is going on with them like they don't make sense to me right now like, well because they keep they, you know what they remind me of again soccer analogy i think i've made it before they remind me of what happens when you watch a team coached by Pep Guardiola not get what it wants, and then it starts throwing a hissy fit. Like, you know, the Lightning last year were the most penalized team in the league. Pep Guardiola's teams have a reputation for the most cynical tactical fouling that you will ever find in the sport of soccer. Like, No, I think it's more just when you play at such a high level, you win so much, and you can't win your ultimate goal. And you're, you, you largely have the same mix. I, it grows... There, you get frustrated because you, you start thinking it's never going to happen. You start losing confidence. You start thinking that there's something that there's a problem. So then you start looking for problems. So when you look for problems, you create problems. So maybe it's Cooper creating problems by thinking, oh, well, maybe if I do this or tinker with that, or maybe if I bench Kucherov or Stamkos, or did bench maybe Kucherov. if I do, you know, like, and then 
those things have a, that, you know, if the mix isn't right or, you know, the confidence isn't there, you need, you need luck, you need confidence, you need a good diverse mix, you need skill and you need to execute. And, mm. you know, one of those things being off can really sink a ship, especially when you're a team that's used to everything going right. Uh, that's that's the that's the Pep Guardiola syndrome yeah. that I and then had. and then you know they they are a team that you can say that their goalie hasn't been up to snuff and you that know might whose be goal because he, above average is better than him right now I think probably the other Russian Sergei Bobrovsky yeah because I mean he's because Bobrovsky's getting harder shots and everything I think oh yeah Vasilevsky's just exhausted from the workload in prior years and i think it's just he will rebound and everything he's not he's one of the best goalies in the league you don't really have to worry about him but it's amazing to see him right now with a goal save above average of minus 9.5 yeah but it doesn't matter like that doesn't matter whatsoever because he will bounce back well he's, as we saw with the other he's the answer more than the, possible. than the issue and the issue and the reason why he's not playing well most likely is because they overused him in the past when they had good goalies mm-hmm. uh, and you can say well maybe they under you they you know maybe it's also injuries and everything but you know i think there are times when they you know we've talked about with Pabrowski that the downside of having to overplay him to get him confident in himself and the defense is that you're overplaying him and you're bringing about injuries etc etc and fatigue Uh, just general fatigue right i know we were i was reading a piece on the athletic of course he was about you know what happens now should you play a goalie on a back-to-back and how you know the evidence has suggested that it's not oh my god oh god i'll let you finish but that well i know what you're about to say i know what you're about to say uh, but how the evidence is like statistically, it doesn't really affect performance all that much. Now, I know what you're about to say. I know what I'm about to say, which is you probably should give your goalie a rest. You know, that's why no, what, teams uh, like the uh, Bruins are successful because they do that. And the Islanders are successful because they do that. You know, Carolina's kind of doing it too. Like Dallas has done it. Like we've reached a point in the league where your starter should play maybe at max 55 games. You know, yeah, but just... I think it's it's more about the schedule, and it's not what, and it's not back to backs. It's making sure that the easy games go to the backups. Yes, and you don't have too many, and th- you pace the goalie throughout the year. That's mm-hmm. all you have to worry about. And I, the other thing I wanted to bring up, and what made me laugh so hard is this is exactly what me, you, you, I've uh, uh, O'Brien on this podcast, tons of people have talked about with the stats community is they are too fanatical and they are too literal and they have no uh a, I think they, that what you're saying like, is that some because they they is... literally cuz cuz Tolsky who's very respected very liked everything wrote a piece about how be based on this 2 year sample size that we shouldn't be doing goalies and it could and the and not playing goalies on back-to-back nights blah 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 doing it this way would net you 12 points in a year right and then they actually found out a couple years later that it was more like four points and then the recent one they just found out it's more like 2.4 
Yeah, it's it's it's. And, from, from but but in. what's what's the problem is we'll never go back, and those people will never go back and say, yeah, we screwed up. Yeah, we literally led teams, NHL teams, because they talked about how teams started adopting this and doing this. We led you down a wrong path, based on data that was misinterpreted, and we're doing way more stuff than just play how we when we play goalies we're making whole remember the shea weber pk suban trade and how it was the terrible trade for montreal and weber was done and pk was so good and i remember um what's his name steve birch or whatever brutch or whatever going calling out everybody everybody under the sun being super aggressive that they're so stupid to think weber would actually end up the better player in five years Oh, I mean, two bands were right hard. Yeah, and because they were leaning so hard on, they were just looking at this one, like little snippets of data and putting everything into it and t- treating it like it was Newton's laws of physics. And that just cannot be contested. And, uh, you know, say this. you lead it say down this. So, and, and you look at the Panthers. The Panthers built a whole team and play style and defensive. Con- and they switched Matheson's whole game based on this, on what they were seeing in some data, blah blah blah. You know, they've they've made draft picks or on. As, all- as, as I would always say, data doesn't lie. People do, but right. But let me let me. Start and that's with why this. that's why the people behind the data matter. And that's my point is, ah. you, and and I'm not calling anyone. I'm definitely not calling out Tolstoy or whatever his Tol- name is. Tolstoy. Tolstoy. Ah, uh, yes. And, He's a Russian you know, playwright now. You know, like, uh, you know, but we also see this with, remember when they were, they used to make fun of and drag just like, you know, local beat reporters, like, you know, Sarah so-and-so, who was, you know, using plus minus on Twitter and people were just quote tweeting and trashing them. Plus minus is so stupid. And now what is every advanced stat person quote all the time? Five on five goal differential. It's like the same freaking thing. Just a little bit different. Uh, Not different enough that you had to be so aggressive and everything. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect and I haven't, you know, I'm I'm a very argumentative person. did you remember? But like you know, this is this is why if you know we if you're running, you know, billion dollars or hundreds of million dollars sports franchise and you're trying to win, you have to be leery of just going all in on this stuff, and you have to make sure that it works the way you want it to work, and it works for you, and the people behind it. And the, the people behind the numbers and the people who have to apply the act, actionable insights of the numbers are the right people for the job because it all has to work in conjunction. And if it doesn't, it do, you know, it doesn't matter. Balance, in other words, a thing yeah. that I and, try to talk about yeah. all the time. It's like I try to understand these numbers and I'll never but, will be able to put them in a, you know. And, we, and to keep going into it, we've seen that. You know, we were told that Corsi is the be-all, end-all possession, everything, and then you know, but it, it's changed to um, shot assists, and then it was no, no, it wasn't shot assists. It's expected goals and all this stuff, which measures all of this combined. Now it could be high danger chances. Right, know, but if you're making things. if you're making decisions to sign guys for contracts and you're using this, and it, you know. Oof, and you find out six months later, oh, it, it, that actually we we actually 
should go back to, you know, we're actually using this that, and that changes the whole perspective. I that, think that's it's a matter tough. of making sure you have a balanced assessment. Like you can't make a decision based on one number. You have to make a decision holistically based on everything. And I think that that is something that we're having to do better at now. And Right, I and I, I would we love went, to see we the stats on pulling the goalies because I've I've seen more teams lose games they could have they still had a chance in preemptively with an early goalie pool with four minutes left or something than I've seen teams miss out on opportunities to win games by not pulling the goalie early enough, mm-hmm. and like there has to be a context of how the game of hockey works inside of all of this because I mean we see it when we talk about defensemen and everything and. And how a lot of teams thought that if a def- if defensemen played enough offense, it would work out, and because like the Corsis would match would back that up, and the the proxim the proxies we would use for puck possession would back that up. So if we if you focus on creating you know a defensive core that net positive in a model would earn you X amount of possession, you'd probably do all right. And the Panthers really built around that but when you actually get down to it those players having all similar players that all struggle defensively um, all struggle at the same thing yeah and like so but that doesn't mean that those types of defensemen aren't useful or that being offensive and playing that way while still being able to be defensively aware and know like hey i should pick up a i should lift this guy's stick in the front of the net I should tie this guy up. I should stick with this man. I should not be watching the puck all the time. I shouldn't be, you know, going into a triple team when there's guys in front of the net. You know, those types of things while still being able to have offensive skill. That's the ideal. Sometimes you kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater or whatever metaphor you want to use or you lose sight of the forest for the trees. Yes. You know, like you have to put it on perspective and what the – Panthers really are struggling right now is to put it all in perspective, to put it all together. They have a bunch of pieces, but they haven't been able to choose which ones are more important, which ones aren't, which ones they can move on from, which ones they can't, which ones they have to prioritize in the AHL, which ones they have to prioritize in the NHL. All they know is that Noel Chari and Brian Boyle have to play, and so does Colton Sevier, and, uh, you know, if 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 it doesn't work, we'll just change the lines. That that's really the only change that we're seeing right now. Um, and, and when they do change, they sim- they try to they usually end up with the same mix at the end of the day. Like the guys they trade out and bring in end up having the same impact. Um, the defensemen that were brought in to replace Kulikov and Gabranson, which were not while we like them as people, they weren't the no. defensemen that Florida needed they at the time. Bad. They Can brought I, in say one thing about this defensemen that weren't good either. Yeah, they, let me say. They brought in defensemen that had different issues but end up letting to the same result, which was the defense is still bad. I mean... Again, yeah, and I would say, you know, Gabranson was replaced with Brown, and, you know, they were very similar issues. Cool. And I would say that, uh, you know, Matheson is now very much like Kulikov. Kind of. Okay. Let's, let's start from the beginning because I think there's a lot to unpack here, and I agree with most of it. We'll start with 
just a matter of how we use these stats. I will say that they're incomplete. We don't have player tracking. When we do have player tracking, I think they're going to get a lot better. I've, I've interviewed people on the show about that, and I think that that's something that will definitely help. These people, and there are people in the community who will admit when they screw up, and that's important. I've interviewed a couple of them, and you know, you have to yeah. be able to, I don't want to say you got to know who to trust, I think and and I want to say it's more like the it's it's a lot of people who are looking at and using public data less so the people who create it themselves but more like people you know people who use and look at public data and then decide that that's the black box of truth that what somebody who's in their you know I don't want to say in their basement because that's a pejorative but like. But like, you know, but somebody who is in their own sphere, in their own, you know, they're not, you know, trying to solve for their own problem and and making the thing to their own specifications and everything, that is going to be apples to apples for all players, all teams in the league and all this stuff. And that's all based on data that's compiled by the NHL, which we know has a problem compiling we data. We saw it earlier this year with their shot yeah, data. Yeah, and, and we, that's, and what, and well, usually what big corporations like the NHL fess up to in messing up or doing wrong and stuff is only the tip of the iceberg. So you imagine, um, you know, the inaccuracies and the As issues. Said, when, when we get to puck tracking, which will inevitably yeah. have its own issues, I think some of these problems right. will be solved. It's a matter of, you know, as I say, people in this in that field, getting to know some of them, they will admit, okay, we screwed something up. I missed. I messed up. I interpreted this wrong. Many people will do that. I think it's a matter of knowing who those people are and finding them. And but expecting an expecting an NHL team that is like, oh, this team sucks because they do not agree with this public data. Like you don't you don't know what data they're tracking because every NHL team is tracking their own data now. Yeah. I mean, like they could be like they could be making they could be saying like, listen, our decor needs somebody that's really good at creating loose pucks and winning loose pucks. This is the this is the defenseman that we can is most expendable, and he's not good at loose pucks. So we're gonna get we're gonna demote him and promote this guy, who may not be good at the other stuff, but is really good at loose pucks. Like there might be statistical analytical thinking behind moves that you don't agree with because it's private data. And at this point, you have to understand that. Well, or you have to at least with, um... put that into your worldview. I, as I say, like, we can have our opinions, but in the end, we're all, you know, public idiots, basically. Yes, I, I very much am the public I, idiot. I try, to, I try to use what we have, but obviously I know I can't calculate it myself. I don't have the ability to do that. I went to J school because I wasn't very good at math. Uh, and there are people who are out there whose process are going to change. You could read any number of people. Um, on The Athletic, you could read our friend Michael McCurdy or Corey Snyder or any of these people who will tell you, you know, we've changed over time. We've done things in a process and now it's a different yeah. process. And it's just, it's frustrating though because like since it's a new process and a lot of these people are new to the sport and their way of finding... Their way of thinking is new to the sport. Well, no, no, they are. No, 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 no. There's a lot of people who are new to the sport. There's a lot of people who said this was their lens into the sport. This is how they peeled back the layer of hockey, was doing it analytically, going through the data and all this stuff. So there's a lot of people out there who work for teams who are, do just, you know, freelance, you know, Patreon or publishing that learned or that's their immersion into hockey, other than just watching it on TV. 
because you can watch it on TV and everything, but like if you, there's, you have to start, you have to like, you know, you can watch anything, but there's only so many people who can watch something and just naturally pick it up. You have to immerse yourself with it and engage with it, a topic to really become an expert. Anybody can do that. I'm not trying to be a gatekeeper, but you have to engage and immerse yourself with it. And if you're doing it through this lens and that the problem of that is they were starting at the beginning, they were going back and reinventing the wheel, reinventing how to, how to build a fire, you know, like doing all that stuff, like dumping the puck, dumping the puck isn't good. You know, like you should try to have zone entries and all this stuff. And like that, there's a lot of all that, that already in hockey strategy and everything like that. And it took, it's, and a lot of that, they also have to go back and redo. So it's taking them a while to catch up. And once they get hockey tracking and all that data, it should go a lot faster. A lot of the issue is it was time consuming in the beginning to have a hypothesis, which maybe was very basic because you're trying to work, well, figure out the information. Right. Yeah. Didn't track it. Yeah, and then you have to track it. That's really time-consuming. So by the time you get into figuring out that you shouldn't be dumping the puck, you should be carrying the puck in more than dumping it, you've wasted two two seasons, a, a season and a half, to come up with that insight. You know, I'm not trying to... But, like, it was important because it built the s- structure and it built the society in which that you know everything now gets built on top of so it's important unfortunately there's a lot of negatives uh, well, that was say, built on I, top i of. don't want people to think again we're not against this we i use it i try to learn about it every day even though as i said i'll never be able to put it together because i don't no. have the background to do that but i as i say like there's it's always about a balance there are you know, if you listen to Corey Promen's recent podcast on, on a podcast on scouting, like he'll talk about things he needed to learn. We all have yeah. to learn. We're all not. But doing if you, this. you, but if you tell me that, but there's a lot of things that they they acted like they they were things were set in stone. They didn't act like they were doing on a learning process, and there wasn't a lot of things that their advocates, people who were latching on to this. Were t- they weren't saying take it in a grade and saw and everything. They were pushing, hey, Corsi is more important for defensemen. Get defensemen that are have good Corsis and all this stuff. Not get defensemen that break up plays in front of their net. Not defensemen that uh, have a high success of breakout passes or things like that. Uh, not defensemen who, um, you know break up more plays on the offensive side of the red line versus the defensive side of the red line or something like that in the neutral zone uh, things that they that could have been more and they they didn't look at they didn't they looked at it through an offensive manner because the only thing they could track easily was that shot with those shot attempts and stuff mm-hmm. it was it, it was a lot harder to track that other stuff and to think about the game in a not plus one goal manner if it didn't lead into a goal it wasn't important to them because scoring more goals than the other is inherently the point of the game so so scientifically that's what they that was the nugget that they were all going to when when now we're starting to see it was only like last season that we started to see advanced stats people start talking about how a forward's defensive value is actually just as important and it was really I think it was maybe two seasons ago. It was the Miko Koivu 
and Sean Couturier, I think back to back, put in really great years where they were amazing defensively, uh, and they saved so many goals above expectation that they were, despite not scoring much, were, um, you know, went like oh more right. valuable, kind of good, and also I and think that was something that was completely ignored and talked down about and all that stuff for you know the first couple years of the thing, and then there's no. What bugs me is there's no like, yeah, I guess I guess we should maybe hold off a bit. Um, certain people, certain people, not yeah. everybody. And I'm getting I'm, I'm more, yeah. I know you've had arguments. It's, it's more just people. a side note commentary because it, it's just funny that it seems like every month, uh, more and more things. It's like they're they're slowly catching up on. Well, as I say, like we, we hockey was hard in one direction, then. People brought this in. It went really hard in another direction. And now we're trying to find the nuance in the middle, the gray area that will make this uh, balance work. And we haven't struck that balance yet. And you haven't, I haven't. A lot of people who are really good at this haven't. And I think that that's, again, black or white, both not right. It's somewhere in the middle. And we haven't found the middle yet. I hope we do find the middle. Uh, because if not, then we're going to get the Houston Astros, basically, who really don't care about human beings. I think that's the other thing that gets lost in this that I find really important. Maybe it's just because I was following this Astros story a lot where it's like data over everything, including the, you know, well-being of humans. You know, like we're talking about human beings here. And that's, I think, and we talked about with Kyle Dubas, right? Like, you know, he is, you know, an analytics guy, obviously, but understands how you run an organization, how you deal with people. These are very important things. And I yeah, think a like lot there's... of people in hockey are actually, I mean, proven that a lot of them can't do it but there are also people in hockey who do understand how to do that and that is incredibly important and that is a skill that is hard to develop it's not easy and i think that running a team in that way you need to be extremely good at it and some people are yeah the one thing kyle dubas had was that uh he grew up playing hockey at like 18 19 started working for the junior team so, uh St. Marie Greyhounds and then was put himself through law school pretty early uh and continued to work through the team the whole time so he literally was inside a hockey organization from a kid all the way through being named the GM of the Maple Leafs like th- this isn't anything new to him whereas there is a lot of people who don't have the background in hockey that then try to apply it straight into hockey without necessarily going through some sort of learning curve. And it can be a job. It doesn't, I'm not saying it has to be three years. I mean, you know, but there has to be some sort of development process to, you know, it's just like if you were going from one industry into the next, you know, like one area of expertise into another, like there is some crossover, but there's definitely a lot of fluidity um, and codependencies that you're not aware of that impact that can impact your thinking and outlook. Yeah. I mean, every industry has its own little idiosyncrasies uh, that you don't know until you get into them, which is why I've always been resentful of people yelling at broadcasters on Twitter certain broadcasters get yelled at more than others because there are things in this industry that the average person does not know about and probably will never know about until you've been there and you've done it and it's the same with hockey and i hope that we're getting that nuance 
but it's going to take time to develop that nuance. And I hope that as we get better data and better information and we can better integrate it into overall thought processes, the sport needs to improve. It's in many ways, it's backwards. But again, there is a danger of going too far in the other direction. See Astros, Conley, Houston, where you could really do damage if you go too far in the other direction. And I hope that, I mean, again, see where Florida was heading. Uh, again, it's not about the numbers. It's not about going with the numbers. It's about the people you put in place to execute on that. And I can agree with that. You need to understand, again, it's a matter of what balance can you bring in? What balance do you have in terms of, the, again, it's who do you trust? Who is the, who are the people that are in your circle? And, and it's all about that. We've said that. Don't be afraid to play your goalies back to back. I mean, in certain situations, yes. Don't be I, afraid to play your top players when you need to score. Yeah. Don't be afraid. I mean, don't to be not afraid pull your to goalie. Admit that you're if you're, if you're control, really. if you're controlling play with four minutes left, five on five, and you're controlling play with four minutes left, and you're getting shots and you're down by two, don't pull the goalie. Keep the pressure on. They might take a penalty. They, you could score one right there. But if they, but like. The players nowadays are so score, skilled. They can score from the neutral zone and the defensive zone. I was watching the Colorado-St. Louis game, and they did that. You're pulling your goalie four minutes. You're going to give St. Louis four minutes to hit an empty net? That's easy. Yeah. Easy for them. Easy peasy. And, it was, and you know, Colorado did it perfectly. They pulled the goalie. They set up play. They got a great – you know, they got a chance where Randon got to step out front to the crease and had to go at it. And, you know, but, and then as soon as, you know, the blues touched the puck, it was pass, pass guy shot it right into the net, you know, made a little thud sound even from the other end of the ice, you know, like you, Again, you can't, we, we need to you have to give your team the best chance to win. So don't be afraid to leave your goalie in. Nuance is important is basically what we're learning. And I think a lot of the reason why this happened is because so much of this developed on Twitter, a website where nuance will never exist. And that exactly. And that's and that's also kind of why it happens. If you in if you larger read, sense, the Internet, too. Well, yeah, but in certain places on the Internet, you can find nuance. But I think the other thing that needs to be explained or that needs to be uh, pushed for is just people admitting, you know what? I screwed up and I'll eat it and move on. I screwed up about Connolly. I yeah, screwed, up, I screwed about... up about Anders Nielsen. I thought the Panthers should sign him and then he was terrible. So oops. I. I thought that they should probably. I don't know. I don't know where I. I don't want to say I was wrong on the Yandel contract, but I wasn't as right as I thought I was going to be. Like, listen, I. I well, I, I've been pretty right about the Florida Panthers drafting was. Well, this is also true. <laughs> but like, and we've listen, definitely been right about right the, about all sorts of things. Their development. I can. I can give my NHL season predictions from a bunch of years, and a lot of things I thought were going to happen didn't happen. We're all human beings. We're going to screw up. I think it's a matter of I've always liked to laugh at the fact that I'm wrong a lot. I think that other people just need to admit, you know what? We screwed up. I'll take the – it's the hardest thing to do is admit that you're wrong. And a lot of the people that, you know, Tommy is not particularly pleased with and that I can have issues with sometimes are people who will not admit that they're wrong. You know, that is something that it happens on whether you're old school, you know, pucks in deep hockey guy or whether you're new school – You've got to admit when you're wrong sometimes. You've got to take an L and move on. And, and, and unless you're really sure, you should always leave yourself some wiggle room professionally. 
Yeah, you, it's always that. a good idea. You know, I think it's always a good idea. To, I think if you want to play the game, if your if your goal is to play the game, but if your goal is to ruffle feathers and just be loud and boisterous and all that stuff, go for it because it's effective. I mean, it, I oh, you know when in this works. situation it's effective. Oh, it definitely works. Fear is a big driver of things, but again, it's a matter of nuance, and that's what I hope why hockey is. It's about nuance in as many ways as we possibly can say it. Uh, now I want to get to two other things because that was not what I was expecting to talk about on this show, but thank you, Tommy, for that, because it was a good discussion. Uh, what did Jim Montgomery do to get fired? I don't think we really should speculate, eh. but it's, it's it's one of two things, probably. We should definitely speculate whether we're going to find out before the NHL awards show or after. Ah. Is it going to be a summer dump, or is it going to be something that we actually find out over the it course of the season? It depends on knowing how journalism works. It depends on whether there's a reason for somebody who knows to tell people. And at the point that we are in right now, there isn't a reason for somebody in the know to say that. Now, that's also because the Stars are about to play in the Winter Classic, and that's a big deal. They've sold out the Cotton Bowl. I don't think they want to have that, you know, dwarf what's going on. Because obviously what happened was really, really bad, enough that somebody got fired on the spot. Now, what I will say is, will we find out? Probably. But this sport is kind of notorious for things like, you know, Akeem Alou having to go to a holiday party with his trainer being in blackface and him not knowing about it. That doesn't get out for okay. eight bloody years. You know, right. so maybe we never will know. But at a point, if somebody has a story to tell and they're willing to tell it, then it will be told. That's how it works. It's, it's, I think it's definitely going to be something that comes out when uh, everybody's visiting on at the draft. You know, I feel like, like I think I feel like the earlier, night before. I, I, I think, do, but I don't know whether we're going to hear about it soon. There's a lot of, I mean, again, it could just, you know, it's. I mean, it could just be some personal issue like drug use or you know some vice sort of, what you know whatever you want to call on that. Mentioned gambling, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, ga- like, like gambling. It could be it selling could be. proprietary information because he that's needs the, the thing money. I thought it was. That's the thing that yeah. I thought it was 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 given information to the sharps in Vegas about about the stars, which would have been a big issue. But I mean, like again, we we don't know. I I presume we will one day. I whatever it was, the stars did I think a pretty good job in making sure that the situation. I bet you Pete Rose wished there was this much anonymity when he was oh, there. Oh, good lord! <laughs> you know, not I that he'd keep he his did. mouth shut. Well, also, but... we think differently about sports gambling than we did in the past. Let's be Absolutely. fair. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we I think... completely think about that differently. Like I could drive forty-five minutes and place a bet on anything I want to now, and soon you will be able to drive well maybe two hours and place a bet on anything you want to. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like... Every state has legalized betting called the lottery. This is also true. And I think, well, not every state. I think some don't, but Utah doesn't. That's that's probably a good point. They probably don't. I mean, there's some... Most of them. A majority of them do. Yes. And and some states have... And I like sports gambling. One of my favorite things is to watch bad beats. Like, on Sunday in the NFL, there were two hilarious ones that made me laugh. So, you know, this is... I don't... I, I would never be able to bet because everything I think is a sure bet fails, and that's why Vegas makes a lot of money. But And that's why we're Panthers fans. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, or why I didn't bet on the Maryland Terrapins over-under in football this year because they came under, and every one of us who follows Maryland football thought there's no way they're going under, and then they did. So I will say that whatever happened with Jim Montgomery, whether it's gambling-related or something, I hope that uh, 
again, that it's not as serious as we fear it. Obviously, the NHL and the teams came out and said pretty clearly that it wasn't in a case of abuse. I love how now as we fire coaches, it is, oh, by the way, he kind of stunk at his job as opposed to, um, you know, <laughs> like you know, he did something heinous and wrong, like he called somebody. My, my, my fear, though, is, and, if, and I always come at this from a, a worker's rights angle, uh, you know, with like the NHL when it comes to strikes and, and all of this stuff. My fear is that this code of conduct is going to be used in the same way that teams that do have some sort of code of conduct with players have used it to get out bad contracts. You've seen the Mike Richards instance. Oh, uh, you know what? I haven't really thought of that. I mean, there is firing for cause. Uh, that is obviously a thing. We've seen it a lot of times right, and right now. Because I, I have a feeling that, you know, if uh, they they let Montgomery go for a violation for this egregious violation that they claim they're not going to be paying him the rest of his contract that they feel like that this was a breach that, you know, they don't have to honor their contract with, um, with, uh, Bill Peters, you know, right. You know, like, like, so if if that's the case, the very legitimate, um, right. But you you hope that it's not being used. And that's not a reason. And of course, that's not a reason to not do these, to, to not enact these changes. My, that one example of this, I will. Th- th- you might not know, but I mean, some of you might follow. There's college basketball. There was a coach, Kevin Ollie. There was recruiting violations at UConn. He won a national championship, but then they fired him, and they used the recruiting violations UConn as a reason to fire for cause, as opposed to paying him this giant contract. You know, like that's when we get into that. It's there's right. again, it's always a gray area. It's always a little dicey. So I, yeah, I, hope I mean, that I that think. And I hope that it, we don't start seeing coaches get fired for something that happened like 30 years ago that, you know, well, it's interesting because you saw what happened with Mark Crawford and he's going to come back, you know, and he kind well, of. Admitted- yeah. The, and, and we talked about it on our last uh, podcast. And I think the Crawford situation played out exactly how we were talking about it, that, you know, um, there's a difference between it being so-and-so years ago and they, it, on their own in the past made amends t- taken steps to rehabilitate themselves and have rehabilitated themselves and have demonstrated that there's a difference between that and somebody who's in denial that their actions actually were in the wrong That's that uh, kind of goes through the motions and you know it, it always seems to happen uh too little too late you know like there's a difference between we're not trying to ostracize people we're we're trying to get out people who have no interest in bettering the sport. Uh, and, and, like and in fact, just treating people with decent respect. You know, Second if you don't have any interest. Automatically given, they're earned. And I think what we've seen with Mark Crawford is he's earned a second chance. Yeah. Which. I, well, cool. at least there's, there's multiple people in the NHL, you know, that make up the NHL, whether it's on the team side, a franchise, you know, a player side, franchise side, or owner and league side um they there's enough people that you know the process and the process was long enough that you think that they have the appearance at least of doing their due diligence and getting it right you know you can i'm sure have an opinion either way but it it's much better than some of the other processes the nhl has done i know i hate making things good by comparison and relativity but I know. It you is the like NHL. Relative, you don't like relative is, comparison. Uh, by the know. way, Pete DeBoer was fired because he was a bad hockey coach. Um, well, 
Uh, some people said he had no goaltending. He did have no goaltending. But even when you have no goaltending, doesn't mean well, you can't be a bad coach. Well, I think what happened was the the San Jose Sharks situation is interesting because you have a GM that's been there long term that yeah. has been able to get success after changes in coaches, captains, etc. Um, mm-hmm. And the GM's not going anywhere. He only has so many bullets he can fire he before firing a coach. Pick, for instance, right? He, you know, he well, they had goalie. They've had San Jose is a franchise that's had goalie issues. You know, like it's not they're Philadelphia, but in the West. Like you know, let's talk about Nabokov's and his you know five hole, which they used to call the five and a half hole. Um, you know, and who is now on their coaching staff? Or the or the five double E hole because you know it's a, it's it's the extra wide um, and. You know, so they and then they traded a lot to get Martin Jones, and then Martin Jones didn't work out. And then, you know, they ha- they're at two separate points. Their defensive coach was Bob Bugner, and we saw what he does to a defense or what his idea of defense is. Um, and when you look at their roster, their roster defense is built in a similar way that the Panthers was, which is if we get enough shot attempts for. It doesn't matter how many we give up. It doesn't matter where they are or whatever. It's just if we can get enough pucks towards the net, everything else will work out over the course of a season, which works in the regular season in the Pacific Division, especially when they have the talent level they do. But will it work in the playoffs and win the cup that San Jose's ownership wants, that Carlson wants, that you know Thornton wants, that these guys – you know, Couture really want, you know, we'll see. Um, Doubt it. I, I don't know what, what their plan is. Um, and when, when you, I look at, when I who's, look at... who's the guy that's going to, that's going to take him to the next level. Who's a guy that can coach a veteran team and take them from, um, you know, under, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking they should, Rather than Mike Babcock, they should try to get uh, Sutter out of retirement. Ah, oh, I know. Because well, also when you think about the contracts that they handed out, I mean, Couture's on a long-term deal, Kane's on a long-term deal, Carlson's on a long-term deal, Vlasic and Burns, and they're all old, and Jones is on a long-term deal. Like they made a lot of long-term bets that have not worked out. You have to be pernicious in many ways with your long-term bets. Just be very careful about who you're betting a lot into. And otherwise, a lot of Everything comes back to the Flyers. Ah. I mean, the, 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 and, and the, the Panthers. Sorry. Wow. Oh. Well, it comes back was... to the Flyers because they did that once and it didn't work. Yeah, I definitely um, want to talk about the Flyers, too. Well, we'll get to them in a second. But I think, like, again, the Sharks, like, what do they have right now? They've got no first-round pick. They don't have a ton of prospects. You know, a lot of the guys, like the Donskoy, I mean, Pavelski walking killed them, but Donskoy's going away. You know, and again, this is just father time killing them. You know, it's, 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 it's. They've tough. done well filling the gaps with Meyer and Melker Carlson and, okay. and, you know, yeah, but it's just at some point they didn't, they're, they're, they're not, I mean, Team Meyer is their top pick, but they didn't, that's like their one top pick, their one yeah, outside. They make the playoffs every team. year. Yeah. But they didn't trade, they didn't, they're not trading for young guys stars they're trading for old stars mm. you know you're trading for evander Kane. old stars. you're trading for yeah 
Like, like you would. Your young star it. was Couture, but that's he's been. He's thirty. Long I didn't time. even know yeah. he was thirty. He's thirty. Yeah, but that was the last like big prospect that came through. That was Bell's like their big too. star prospect. He's gone now. Yeah, and he's thirty something. You know, like it's, it's time. It's it's time for them to figure out what the line in the sand is when does the ownership want to turn over because the end of the day they're owned by a big they are uh, owned by a big corporation that has a large sponsorship deal with the national hockey league this is true but the other thing that i heard about and i was listening to elliot friedman on 31 thoughts say this like the sharks are the sharks have an issue that a lot of teams have which is when you don't make the playoffs the interest sort of wanes you know and it can happen rather quickly. Now, I don't think it's that cut and dry. I think it's more, oh, we've been burned by this before, and we don't want to see but the you same know, movie Yeah, again. well, but if you're just looking at the situation, you talked about they can't really do anything. They can't do anything with new with the GM. They can't really do much with the core because they're all kind of locked in. They can maybe get a different goalie, but you still have to eat Martin Jones's contract. Uh, but, like, so then it's all about okay, which is a coach that can get these guys to do better than they're doing now? Can we at least get that? Something and obviously, that's for sure. Yeah, but then you're looking at the market. Who is, you know, like like I said, it's Sutter out retirement because who's going to be good at motivating a vet group, a vet group that has talent guy. to just play the right way and to pace themselves over the season to give it a good run in the playoffs and also know how to insulate struggling members of a team? Like, that's the good thing a coach does. Like when, uh, you know, you see you you see it a little more with the Panthers this year, but I don't think they have the horses to really do it. But when Barkov or Huberto aren't always finishing plays or aren't always creating the scoring chances, there's at least more forwards that jump, can do that, can take over a game, can pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Joe Quenville knows you see, how to manage that. And yeah, and that's the big that. thing because the good coaches, they just don't, rely on the Mike Hoffmans and the Connellys and the guys who can shoot and finish to do it. They get, you know, the Noah Charis and they, they, they work and finesse it. Like he knew that Achari was able to play the second line that night because not every night Achari can play on the second line, even versus the senators like the, especially yeah. on the wing out of position. It's, it's hard to do just jump up and do it. And it's a whole different game for him. So, and he made it easy. Yeah. Everything, but you know, it's not like Derek McKenzie or any other fourth line center the fire, the Panthers have had can do it. And it's not like Sean Thornton. And there's not other coaches that know the right time to do it. And when and then when to pull back. I on think it. that's the one thing we we don't appreciate about coaches. We always talk about systems, but also and and it's a soccer phrase you hear all the time. It's man management. And again, if you're a long term coach in any sport and you win a lot, you know how to manage people. You know how to manage egos. You know just when the right time to push that button to make that change. Yeah, it, and certain coaches are much better at it than others. Yeah, and in hockey, it would probably be back um, back when and refs didn't have to wear helmets. Uh, when the refs used to really be able to manage the game and no one let fights happen. You know, like that's kind of the same feel that good coaches have. They know when to yell they know when not to yell they know when to skate them they know when not to and they they just know how to work it so that at the end of the season they're ready for the playoffs and they have enough left in the tank for the yeah, playoffs and you know because you only have so many bullets you could fire 
Because again, you're dealing with human beings. You're not dealing with robots. Yeah. And how many how many times can you switch the assistant coaches before you move the coach? I mean, like the Boar had a few rounds of assistant coaches. Yep. And we saw that with Babcock too. I mean, yeah. that was the like again at a point. I also think it's like we're, we're starting to learn. Hint, hint, Dale Talon. Hint, hint. Oh, you only get yeah. so much time. You only get so many spins yeah, on the I, wheel. I think that t- okay. Let's get to the Panthers now. I I would <laughs> say firstly. Uh, as we'll, we'll, we've, the same thing that we said on the last show is basically evident here, but I will say when I wrote my piece for the rat trick, like the Panthers need to do something. Yes. Which is good, by the way. Everyone should go read it. Ah, uh, very good. Thank you very much. And you know who else really liked it? Roberto Luongo. Well, he liked some other things I said, as we talked about in the last show. Uh, you know who else liked that piece, though? Owen Tippett's agency. Ah. Retweeted it. Yeah, they want their player making NHL money instead of and AHL money that for that sure. Would be, uh, yes, it's it's kind of like what Alan Walsh does. What do they get, a percentage? Uh, they get a cut. You get like 10%, depending on the yep, agency, yep. I think, something like that. Um, I did not – I when I looked it up, I was like, this is an agency, and then I knew somebody from the Panthers is is signed with this agency. I didn't know who it was. Then I looked on their website, and I'm like, Owen Tippett. Oh, okay, now it makes sense. Because I mentioned specifically they should call him up, and they should because he's actually playing really well down there in Springfield, one of the few players that is. Uh, so, yes, like that's one of the things. We talked about it before. you got to call up some of these players you know, to get a spark in the lineup because here, there are two things that have happened since we last did this show. First of all, I know you have been saying Sergei Bobrovsky was fine for most of the season. I disagree with that assessment. But since we last did this show, which was after the Wild game, Sergei Bobrovsky has clearly played his best hockey for the Panthers. He's been spectacular, and the Panthers are 500. So I think along with that little stat that we posted, and you cropped it from The Athletic, which was great, which was that Stephen Valaket little stat that he said that Bobrovsky's facing the toughest workload in the league, which is why, you know, sometimes, as you were saying, Goals saved above average and some of these stats are not indicative unless we know where the shots are coming from and the workload of this. And that's proprietary information. Sadly, I wish we had that information publicly. But when you saw it from Stephen Valaket, you went, I know, I know Tommy, when yeah. you texted me, it was like another win for Y hockey or something like I that. I mean, and it was, and it was a little bit of a rant about what I just went on about how, you yeah. know, there's Again, different, like, there's, there's different types of light bulbs that can go numbers. on, you know, you have to, you have to also, again, your eyes might deceive you, but if you continue to see it over and over again, your eyes aren't deceiving you. And that's why Tommy has been on this train forever about the defense core. And now I start to think that Panthers fans are finally agreeing with you. Because once you see Bobrovsky play really well and the Panthers still lose and still give up the same sort of chances and Bobrovsky has to bail them out and, you know, all these things that are happening and you see a stat like that from Stephen Valaket it kind of validates everything you were saying. Yeah, and it's I, like, you know, and we've, we've seen, and it's 33 games in the season. That's more than one third into the season. Um, I'm going to be honest. They don't have the system a hundred percent down pat, but it's more than enough to judge it on. Uh, and there's not much tweaking you can do to the systems to get people to pay attention in the defensive zone to, yeah. um, to want to, and and I don't. I guess the one thing they can change. I don't know if this is something all coaches do, uh, and all floor, or at least all Florida coaches have done. But they front shots way more than they need to. They leave opposing players in the crease in the home plate area to go out 
and get in front of the shot. Sometimes going down on one knee and creating a frame to shoot behind the defenseman after they screen the goalie, which is just even, I hate the most, and Pissick does it every freaking game. Um, but they need to stop fronting pucks and just play defense. You have, there's a guy right next to you. Just pick up a stick. Don't let him involve, don't want him be involved in the play. The way, the things refs let go in front of the net, it's enough that you don't even have to take liberties and take penalties to prove a point in front of the crease. You don't have to bash. You don't have to hack. But if a guy sticks not on the ice, he has a harder chance of scoring. When I tried to write about why I leaned towards defense being the bigger issue for the Panthers than goaltending, um, I I tried to get, like, those heat maps for Micah McCurdy, and you see where the red is, and it's all in front of the crease – which, again, tells you something. Yeah, and, and it's the wingers letting their D jump into the slot unprotected. I mean, Mike Hoffman's yeah, he's does his thing. That. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of other wingers that take their time, and there's a lot of centers on this team uh, I, that have I, trouble I in the D zone. To. Yeah, I'm really deferring to one center who ah, is— who played on the wing one night. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to— He, I, I think it's—I think I'm at the point where— I don't want to see Trocek or Matheson back with the team next year. I think that you have to start legitimately asking the questions about those two. And I think... Yeah, uh, I just don't... I Matheson. mean, Trocek, Matheson just needs a new scenery. Like, I just yes. think mentally, I just think it's... Just, he needs a fresh... He needs he needs next training camp going to a fresh team and have an, a true be able to truly believe it's a fresh start for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he'll I, never I, I get think that. That's, again, we talk about it. Sometimes it's just not going to work in a certain location, and everybody will go, "Well, that trade was stupid. How did they do that?" Yeah, so and I already had to respond to somebody on the Y who's tweeting at Y Hockey that he sucked in junior. He sucked at BC. He did not suck in junior. He played one year in junior, and he was the leading scorer and the best defense for Boston his junior College team. Eagle. He had some. Yeah, he was. He, he was. was he was on pick. track. I think if you're a first round pick, there's something was, people seeing. He you. was on track at least until he hit pro, if not through that World Championship. You know, the, that 16-17 season was the end of his growth, and it's been stunted from there. Yeah, and then then you have the Vincent Trocheck story, which uh, is just somebody who played for a bad junior team mm. and had to do everything himself. And he, and you played know played for a bad AHL team, had to do everything I, I, I himself. Tweeted, played, I started playing for the this. bad Florida team, had to do everything himself. Once he started getting good, they didn't give him any wingers. He had to do everything for himself. Yep. Now he can't do anything else because Bob Bugner and other coaches didn't sit him for doing nothing but just puck hog, skate around, shoot pucks five feet wide on his own entry. It's trying, but like at the other day, at the end of the day, he's got a good contract. He has value. I know you're short on centers, but if you can move him for another center or for a defenseman that helps the team, uh, it's going to make this I I advocate, and the reason why I'm advocating for this too is also it's a tweet I, I saw somebody tweet about the Oilers. And how they got back into bad habits, um, you know, lack of responsibility, offensive zone, things of this nature. And I said, you know what? It's the same thing that happens with the Panthers. Is when things go bad, what happens? You go to your fight or flight instincts. You go to what's most natural to you. And as you said about this for Vincent Trocheck, his natural inclination is hero ball, trying to do everything mm-hmm. himself. And, you can't- and then my natural inclination is to yell at Florida that they still can't figure out how to build a playoff contending team and it's time to start doing that this is correct um and that's but, my but, fight instinct but i mean 
I do want to say, in good things, uh, Jonathan Huberdo has now 400 points. By the end of January, he's going to have the Panthers franchise record for points. I, again, bless his heart, I, he's one of the best people ever. I, I would not be shocked that if at some point we find out that Ekblad Barkov or Huberdo and or their agents were starting to apply pressure to the Panthers to we put up shut up. We saw Huberdo trade rumors. Yeah, I mean, because it's... Year. Because Huberto, Barkov, and Ekblad, who has come alive since... Oh, when he's the, had such a good year. Remember the, remember when the Panthers were starting to come, do the comebacks and bounce backs and everybody started using the Goldie phrase, there's something special going on in South Florida. Uh, and and then they started sucking. Once they started sucking, Ekblad just took the next step. He saw it as a challenge, I think, uh, to kind of assert himself, and has been pretty lights out, and has been the best defenseman. You know, you know that was the problem. Uh, that was the thing last that. year. Like we talked about this before the season started, how there was a conflict in like the numbers of like how good is Ekblad actually playing, and we and I said last year, like dude was awesome, and you know he had that snarl, he had that like the look like I'm going to kill you kind of thing. And he's continued that this year. So I love what Aaron Eckblad's doing. I mean, people can debate the merits of whether he's a number one defenseman or not. I think he's playing he's, awesome. He's a first pairing defenseman, and the Panthers need that right yeah, now. Correct. <laughs> whether he's one or two, it doesn't matter. I, and, and again, I think Joel Quenville sees that and is using that in the right way. So again, knows how to manage your team, which is what he's doing. And well, I mean, I wish he knew how to manage Dennis Malian, but oh, apparently, geez, I, feel I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there's Sevier has to play at every this game. Point, a trade chip for a defenseman, I and think. it's sad because he's they have no center depth, and he's one of yeah. The they gotta center. also think about like, he's better than he's better than Howerluck. He's better than Tonato. He's better than Sevier. He's better than a lot of players that will get to keep playing sadly. instead of him. I don't understand what's going on, but if they're not going to use them, definitely trade them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they need to figure out centers too. Yep. Correct. Uh, uh, and we talked we, about defensemen, and I wrote about. We this. did talk about that. The you know when they traded Bukestad and McCann, we we did note that they traded two centers and they didn't get any centers back they were going to keep, um, and that they. Yep. Really needed to draft some good centers. They haven't um, done that they, since. Well, they tried with Forstrom, but they need to do that yeah. again. Uh, I will say this about people yelling and screaming at the Panthers for trading McCann. They didn't want to. They did it for cap reasons, and they had well, cap issues because. Well, of they also did it because I, Jared McCann was not happy again with like again situation I don't think and it's as, out. Simple, as a simple to say like this player was so you know why did you trade him the panthers are stupid you never know when people are going to succeed bukestad's had a horrific time in pittsburgh since he was traded he's been injured all the time when he's played he hasn't played well mccann's thrived. that's bukestad's career he's just I, been in, he's just been injured he's been injured so he hasn't been able to get going a, he's he seems like such but, a happy, no, the, he, guy you know he did have uh, a little bit of momentum gone at one point with the Penguins. Yeah, uh, I, I, but I mean, like the thing with McCann was, like, would he, he would have be been fine and everything. But those the coach, I think the answer to that question is clearly yes. But the if, issue, the issue is McCann wouldn't. We wouldn't be missing McCann now if they transitioned Borgstrom to the NHL like they should have. They did I mean, not, and that's the and failure. Not helped, but he has not transitioned. He's not. I don't know how much his hurt is, or if that's what they're. You no, know. I think he's legitimately hurt because I was reading some of the tweets from the people who actually follow the team, and they were saying he was legitimately hurt. So, I I would say that, and 
that that's definitely happened. Recently, just like in what the last week? No, I, it was in more than a week ago. It was like a couple weeks ago. I started to see people saying that he was hurt. So I mean, there's that. But I mean, right now, as we said, if they need to make it, they need to make personnel moves. Beating Ottawa six one doesn't change that. Uh, they need to call up Tippett. There's no reason why they should keep him down there. He is lighting it up, and a lot of people are talking about that. Uh, call him up. I. There's no reason not to. Well, because the thing is because he's taking the most shots. He's lighting it up because he's taking the most shots in the AHL. And if he's not going to be able to get that many shots in the NHL, why call him up? Because you don't have a center for him. You you have to find the center first. Mm -hmm. There's no center for Owen Tippett. Who are you going to play him with, Trocek? He's stuck. Who is he playing with in the A? It doesn't matter because because in the AHL he can just skate around and take shots. He's basically doing what Trocheck did for his junior and AHL career, and it's going to be the pro like it it all impacts each other. Tippett should be called up. You're 100 percent right, but they should have already figured out the center to play him with and already had it figured out, but they didn't because they keep not progressing. So these things keep adding up, and then they keep pushing everything else back. As we get to this, before we'll end on the uh, the flyers and other things. We've talked about D that they should okay. trade for. I've mentioned it. They should be training for Sammy Votnin yesterday. I mean, that's at least it. one. That's a, They should be training for a few D, but that's at least one D they should be looking at. He's a that's... UFA. He's a righty, but he can play the left-hand side. And if you want to know oh, what no, type of value the Panthers he can need. give. He's great off the puck. He's great defensively. You put him with Aaron I mean, Ekblad, and suddenly you allow Aaron Ekblad to do all the things he's good at without asking him to do too much. And then you allow Uyghur to play with Yandel, and then you and, have a top four. And then you can... balance out your decor immensely. And then you cost you ask, and then you stop seconds. asking Strawman to play top four minutes, mm-hmm. and you, and then maybe you can make Matheson doable. But yeah, like again, in I think that again, not long term. Something. I mean, again, it's a solution for temporarily, but for this season where they need to make the playoffs, if you trade for Sammy Vaughn. What is it going to cost you? Pesic in a second or something like that for cap reasons? You do that trade. I would do that trade 100 times out of 100. And they should be interested in doing that trade, and I hope they do. And we also talked about, you know, Buffalo, like Colin Miller, Marco Scandella. There's other defensemen out there that you can trade for. And people... They really just need to get a defenseman who plays well off the puck, and when he gets the puck, he picks his head up and finds the open guy and gives him a good pass. Yeah, That's it. He's, That's again, really all they need. They need Bonnet guys who are, just have defensive that. awareness. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, there and people were asking me like, what defensemen are out there? And I said, of course there are defensemen out there. You can find them. Make it. I mean, it's not easy to it's make there, happen. People but, are. Let's just say that the assistant general managers are getting paid multiple six figures to to figure out which defenseman they trade for. That's their job. If they can't do it, get somebody else who can do it, or at least will do more of an make more of an more of an effort. Yes, I mean, they're defensive now. And centers, I haven't looked at the centers yet, but I'm going to have to start, like, doing that. Uh, somebody. I mean, I think what their big thing is they need to shit or get off the pot. I think they should have Sorrell and Borgstrom both be playing and in the NHL. And you I can, mean, as split I said, like, that's the first thing that you can do before you make a trade is call up people like that and have them play. And, I mean, to- I... I think that that's extremely important, and they should do that. And I don't think they're going to do – I mean, again, once we get back from the Christmas period, they need to do that, but we'll we'll see whether they uh, do it or not. Real quick, uh, Flyers, uh, there's no words we can really say about Oscar Lindblom and yep. the situation there. I mean, that is just 
it's not about hockey anymore. It's about making sure he has a full, independent, functioning oh, life. Last night was uh, I was watching the the stuff from last night. That was pretty awesome. Casa, the both of the Casa brothers are O'Brien picks, uh, prospects he really liked uh, for why hockey and said that they were going to be super. They were going to be effective players. He called them Yerry Lettinen 2.0. He really likes them, um, and they had a great game against each other uh, in well, Philly. Got hurt, so yeah. Well. He finished the game somehow. Oh, I don't know. Just, well, maybe because his brother uh, was there, and you know, well, the Flyers seem to. And the the Faraby, the the Faraby suspension is a joke. And if you look at what Kyle Oxapoco did, uh, you know, it, against Toronto, um, last night and didn't get a penalty, and player safety said there's no further discipline, um, and you see what Borwicky did, uh, to Konechny, oh yeah, um, in the open ice and. Then Faraby, who's new to the league, gets three games. When there's guys who've been suspended who are known to be scummy, um, get nothing or get off light. Um, and that's that's unfortunately the problem. They send the wrong message to the wrong people. Um, and that's why the NHL has a concussion issue. Uh-huh. And uh, and just for the record, I hate finishing your check. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. If the puck's not there, there's no reason for a check. The point of a check is to separate the man from the puck. Uh-huh. That's how I feel. There's no – I like hitting. I like big hits and everything. I'm, I like fighting. But let's not – there's no need to just rub guys out and slam them into the glass after they make a pass. Like, Correct. There just really isn't. Happy Good holidays, talk. by the way. Yep. If there's a Y Hockey guest show, we'll have that coming. If not, the next like Y Hockey show for us too will be on uh, well, January 1st, January 2nd. So we'll see you then. Happy New Year.